man, and so many of these floaters that Giannis puts up for these bunnies or these layups or whatever. He, you know, he's got that Jordan touch where it just looks impossible and it fucking, you know, you're like, it shouldn't fall, but it falls for him because the basketball lo gods love him. Like, we ain't got the fucking best player in the NBA. Like, we don't have the coach to match. Like, we don't have the best record in the NBA. This shit is coming, okay? Don't let them tell you you're the little guy because we're not the little guy in this shit. We're the big guy now, motherfucker, okay? Yeah, I can't tell this. Did the show start already? <laughs> What's up, dude? I don't know what kind of entertainment I can walk in on. But, uh. <laughs> I, was doing my I was doing my best, uh, Miss Wisconsin accent. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was talking about all our favorite Wisconsin things, you know? Uh, yeah, we're just trying to envision how the down home. Bucks, man, would, would well, celebrate it. Such a. Such a win. I just know that crowd was going crazy with the Biz Marquee concert. <laughs> they were. Yeah. Hey, Biz was uh, lit too. By the way, were, my man was extremely drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're in Milwaukee. That's all there is to do, man. And yeah. I, I've been there. I think I've been there twice, maybe. But the first time I went there was a culture shock because um I just saw a bunch of people walking around with like beers, and it was like. It was like it was like 11 a.m. and everybody was like walking around with a beer in their hand, and it just seemed strange to me. Like at 11 a.m., 10 a.m., whatever. It was early. <laughs> it was like 10 a.m. or something like that. But that's their thing. That's their business, man. That's. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know I, what else. To. I mean that literally. That's their business. Beer is their business. So. <laughs> Wisconsin car bomb is uh is like cheese. Cheese whiz in inside a uh, whiskey, <laughs> delicacy. Uh, so, yo, yo, can I talk a little yeah. bit about a little bit about Havlicek check today or no? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, we'll do that. Uh -huh. Sam's got something he wants to do. Oh well, no, I, I forgot that there was actually a game tonight. Maybe we should just uh -huh. have a regular show while we have stuff to talk about. Yeah, we, we should save that for yeah. a, a, a time when we, we're hard up for. Post after the playoffs at some point. I'm not a coward, but you know maybe they'll be sooner than we think. <laughs> so we got to keep that <laughs> loaded. I keep that thing on me, and that thing is the content. <clears throat> All right, so we'll talk maybe like uh, 20, 30 minutes about the game. Then we'll talk Apple check and sign off. Sound good? Mm -hmm. Or about the series, I guess. Okay, cool. Welcome inside, everyone. It's the ATO Show. Matt Ignall here. We got Zaire, Lucky's Pipe, Sam Sheehan, and Jack Michael here coming to you after the Celtics drop uh, game two uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. But they, they split the series 1-1 in Milwaukee. Um, headed back to Boston now. Uh, reactions, guys, after the first two games. Let's not dwell too much on, on this game, too. But uh, what, what's your reaction so far? Take it away. I'm not worried. Not worried, Phil. I mean, I know the Celtics just got fucking annihilated. Um, but, I, I mean, the Bucs yeah, hit a lot of shots. Um, you know, I think we saw two signs of the regression coin there. I mean, the Celtics, mm -hmm. that third quarter was an absolute turd fest. Um, what was it, 28-2 run? Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, and without that, it's a, a regular game. I mean, they turned the ball over with eight times and missed five shots in that run. Was that the the, the final score tally? Um, and, and you know, the Celtics just kind of let go of the rope after that. Um, so uh, I, I don't anticipate. While we're not, we're probably not going to see the Celtics, you know, annihilate the Bucks the way we did in Game One again. I also don't really think that this was very indicative. And I mean, the bottom line here is the Celtics just walked out of Milwaukee with home court. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll take that for sure. We'll see which, uh, which game, if it's three or four that they put uh, Scott Foster on to get this thing to seven. Anyone else? We have a um, situation here. And um, I like, you know, I, I look at, you know, in the past, I've seen many playoff series where teams have gotten blown. I've seen playoff series where the Bulls have gotten their brakes beaten out of them, but they bounce back. I mean, it happens. It's NBA basketball. You know, some nights you just do not have it. Uh, but a couple things that um, are glaring to me that it seems like nobody notices. And I kind of noticed this in the Indiana series a bit is that while everyone is like gloating on how great Kyrie is playing, Kyrie's um, shot percentages are like awful at times during these playoffs. Uh, He's had like about three games, but then those games that haven't been good as far as shooting the ball have been very bad. I'm talking about pre-2018 Marcus Smart bad. So, well, I I just look at that. And and another thing I look at is that um, tonight, Yes, um, is we don't imagine this happening again, but we've seen the can't shoot Celtics before over the years. They've come back today. Um, one thing that I did not care for too much is the fact that uh, Gordon Hayward, um, where were you, bro? Now I know Jason Tatum hasn't been balling this series, but everybody lately has been talking about how great Gordon Hayward has been looking. And this is a game tonight, Gordon Hayward, where we really, really needed you. You know what I'm saying? Where we look at it where it's like, okay, Kyrie, you're not on. A guy like Marcus Moore steps up, does his thing. Al Horford did his thing for the most part the first half. But Gordon Hayward, like that depth, we need you now. And so until he performs in games like this, where the where the bottom starts t- seeming to fall out and he plugs it back in, He's not back yet in my eyes. Yeah, no, I'd like to see see Gordon Hayward play some good games against the Bucks. But I will say I'm happy that Jalen has been sucking and fucking this entire playoffs. He's been doing great. I think he's like a bright spot um, in both of the games. Um, I think it's difficult when a team makes a, a historic amount of threes for their franchise that's a tough thing to counter we also couldn't shoot threes but it was kind of a struggle all game like it came down to the the that period where they couldn't score pretty much any shot but like they were they were relying on difficult shots and it just happened in the first half they were making enough of them to stay pretty close but yeah i mean one one is is a win for the away team as they say yeah, it's like it's like the 2010 season in my eyes when the um, Celtics were playing against the Cavs and the national media was giving the Cavs all of the love and saying that the Cavs were going to definitely win the series. And instead, the Celtics went in and split in Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? And that's what like this reminds me of right now. Celtics weren't given a chance. Why? Because they don't have the best player on the floor, quote unquote. So 
that's what that's the lazy narrative that happens in the NBA playoffs with the media. But I look at it like this: a one-one series is a very, very good situation for the Celtics, and it gives them an opportunity to, um, you know, if, if they if, even if they split at home, they still have the confidence of knowing that they can go in Milwaukee and make noise. So, I'm I'm happy with where they are right now. I think in Game One we saw that their execution was just so on point. It was maybe the best execution of the entire season um, on both ends. And game two, it just was, wasn't as tight. And But, I mean, they, they still could have very much been in it had Kyrie just been playing a normal game and had, uh, you know, the Bucks not started out on fire. I think they hit, like, uh, 40% of their threes in the, in the first half. And, and the Celtics were right there. Um, but, uh, obviously, that 28-2 run, you can't, you can't win uh, giving up that. Um Okay, so the series is heading back now to Boston. Um, oh, I, I, did you guys notice any adjustments that the Bucks made? I know there was a big, big deal um, here in that uh, they, they weren't going to make too many adjustments. The only one I could really see is they put Giannis on the ball more in the pick and roll and uh, were able to get some more favorable switches. Um, but ultimately, the Celtics' execution on, on, on defense just wasn't tight enough to beat this very good Bucks team. Are they- they they let uh they 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 found Chris Middleton more like um like instead of you know fucking Pat Connaughton taking those shots you know early in the game and I think that was a big part of this um like to be perfectly honest like Chris well, they Middleton, left Chris Middleton open too many times yeah no and they well they found a, and I think that that's bad because Chris Middleton right now uh, Sands Brogdon he's the only guy who's like really a problem like I know Brooke Lopez is a three-point uh, whatever I, I don't know I, I, I'm i not scared of Brooke Lopez if you're going to leave a guy open let's make it not the guy who's proven that he can slaughter us in the playoffs the way that Chris Middleton who has been the absolute like it follows monster of the Celtics every time we, we have a playoff series against them I think a key to that, Al, Al Horford had five turnovers tonight and three assists. And, you know, a big part of that run was turnovers. You know, yeah, the Celtics weren't making shots, but when you're just giving the ball away, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to do anything. And so you look at Al Horford, who kind of fell apart a bit in that third quarter in my eyes. Um, you know, he can't have more. He can't have six assists. I mean, six turnovers and three assists. Like he can't, or actually it was five turnovers, but still, this this series, I you know I heard a lot of people talking about what what can he do versus Giannis. Really, it's about Al Horford's passing and defense. And if his passing and defense is at a premium and at a, like a, a high place, then the Celtics will be fine. But if you have this stuff that's going on tonight, it's not going to work. And you know, here's another thing: like Al Horford, I love Al Horford, and I think he's great, but. There's a little bit of age catching up to him at times. I mean, it is. And, and, and it's going to happen. And next year and the year after, it'll be more and more. And so, I don't I know. I mean, a lot of the season, I think, came down to a lot of people, you know, were overreacting to their record because that was like a, a you know, reaction to Al Horford being, you know, injured on and off. And, like, he was having good weeks. And then he would, you know, yeah. take, a, take a step back. And kind of it's dealing sort of with like, that would, like, hurt him. It's sort of like when KD, when uh, KG was um, getting older, you know, and they had to figure out different ways to make him, you know, be around longer and, and put him in the post and letting him do things as opposed to, you know, 
um, you know, just slowing the game down a bit. And that's the deal with like Al Horford, like ages just catching up to him. So you see certain games and it looks like, oh, man, he looks like he's 35. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's not a knock on his skill. I mean, he's still great at what he does. But, yeah, age is catching up. And so, like, like tonight, you know, he didn't look like a spry young guy out there, you know. So that's a, a thing that I think that, that happens. In, and it can't, um, it can't happen more times than not. And so we got to take advantage of this year right now because you never know what's going to happen in the next two. I think the demise of Al Horford's being greatly exaggerated here. I mean, in game one, that was one of the best performances of his career. Um, and that that block on Giannis is, I mean, that's going to go down on his career highlight film. And I thought he was pretty good um, until like the third quarter of, of game two, um, hitting threes, making. Right, but what I'm saying is, when you get older, it happens like that, man. Like you you'll have you'll be looking great, and then all of a sudden, like the bottom drops out on you, and it's like whoa. Like for real, I've seen it happen with older guys in the past. Like I said, it happened with KG. Like KG had to turn his game around when they made that Eastern Conference run. The last time with KG, he had to change his game. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause cause he had to he had to suit it more to what he was as opposed to what he used to be. And and like I'm not I didn't mean this like as a bad knock on Al, but but you can see like he's not he's not young as he used to be. We all know that. And you can see it at times. I don't I'm not the average Al guy. I don't believe in that. But I mean, the truth is the truth. Like, I mean, every every player faces it. And so when you see nights like this, when it starts to snowball and you go, OK, Al, when you're going to come up out of this? I mean, the, the, the body is like, OK, whatever, dude, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> and that's just <laughs> it's just my observation of it. And those nights when, you know, he's not all the way on and he might have a great defensive <laughs> night. But offensively, he doesn't have it because it's like it takes a lot to do it on both sides of the court. And that's why they are so deep and they don't have to rely on Al because people say, oh, he's, he should score 20 something a game. No, uh, you don't need him to score 20 something a game. And if you do, you're in trouble, you know, because he, he, he shouldn't have to at this stage of his career. And he's probably not going to at his, this stage of his career. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, nah, he's not he's not that spry guy that he once was, but he's still really good, you know. Who's going to get that pick and pop three anytime, and the Celtics are going to have to live on that because the the Bucks are very difficult to score on in the paint. And yo, that's what that's what old that's what old guys do. Yeah, sure, do it. Look it, look it to death. Otherwise, that wall is going to be there for Giannis. Bledsoe hit a couple of threes, but I need Bledsoe attacking the fucking rim. Only so they have one more threat they have to worry about when Giannis and him are on the floor about who's going to go to the rack, man. Rack, man. Who's going to go to the rack, man. Rack, man. Who's going to go to the rack, man. Um... Did anyone? Did anyone notice? Did the Bucks seem to switch more in Game Two than they did in, in, in Game One? Notice that. It, it felt like the Celtics didn't get the same. Yeah, the Celtics definitely didn't get the same you know, wide ass open shots that they got in Game One, or at least if they did, they didn't get the same amount of them. It just it it it, it just didn't feel the same. You know, it, the, a lot of the Celtics offense felt more forced, and a lot yeah, of that had to do with Kyrie not shots. Like, I don't yeah. think they were. Yeah. they, they yeah. were just driving. In, they were doing what. The Bucks did in the game one, like like Giannis was just like running into crowds and hoping like they'll bail him out, and it didn't happen. And this this game, 
I think it was very similar. They were just driving and not looking around. And, you know, there was a lot of mismovement, like on the outer, like they were thinking the the person was going to keep running and they didn't and they threw it out of bounds. And it was just, it was calamity of. Yeah. It was, it was very regular season Celtics. Sorry, Sam. Yeah. No, I mean, that, I mean, that's pretty much just what I was going to say is that the, the, the Celtics, um, it, you know, the, the Bucks have a clear game plan here, which is throw double teams at Kyrie. And when Kyrie, you know, the, when, when Kyrie's on, like we saw in game one, he just finishes around them with insane English and, you know, his elite, elite, elite finishing ability. But if that's not there, um, the Celtics have got to go to another game plan. And the, it felt like the Celtics didn't really punish um, any mismatches they got. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just sort of, there was one time I, I can distinctly remember one where Al blew by somebody for a dunk. And that, and after that, I pretty much, you pretty much didn't see it again. The rest of the game, the Celtics pretty much ran the exact same offense. They ran in one and they didn't really hunt um, any of the mismatches. Um, you know, hindsight's a little 2020 and I'm not necessarily sure that that's a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the Celtics are a jump shooting team and they can, but this is the kind of the damned if you do damned, if you don't, don't there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not sure like who is the postmaster who's going to make the bucks pay when they switch. Um, but you know, that, that just clearly wasn't part of the Celtics game plan tonight. Um, if I'm Brad Stevens, that's something I look at, you know, do you want to change the offense to try and, focus on any mismatches like if you end up with uh let's say uh, uh, sterling brown on uh, al Horford, or if you end up with um you know something like that do you do you still look for these uh spreading the floor threes or do you mouse in the house it and just you know kind of go to that i don't know i really don't know the answer to that but um the celtics definitely but like how much do it. how much how much impact do you think stevens honestly has when most of the shots come down to a single player, just like thinking he has a bigger dick than his defender, and he's going to take the shot. And being <laughs> like, correct, and being correct, by the way, all the Celtics have hogs. This is the world of pro Celtic hog on this show. Oh, anyway, man. sorry, let me continue. No, no, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Like when, when you think you are just better, and you're just going to take a shot that most would consider are bad, and that's like m- more than half the offense. I just don't know if, like, Brad, like, other than, like, just sitting people that take bad shots, which I don't think you can really do in the playoffs because, you know, you got you to gotta play the best players, like, 35-plus. But, yeah. It's, no. it, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to do anything when Kyrie's not hitting anything. It becomes a it becomes a math problem too if you're going to go mouse in the house with it because they're the, like the Bucks are just gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna take a lot of threes still and and they're gonna have another mm-hmm. night like this where where they're just gonna be hitting every or even if it's just Middleton where he's just gonna be hitting everything he's taking enough you know he took enough himself to make the franchise record so it's like the franchise playoff record for the Bucks so it's it's you know there there are points where they should go to it obviously but it's like. Do, do you want to hunt that? Do you want to have Al that engaged on the offensive end every single play? Or do you want, you know, do you want to have him just kind of float around and maybe guard Lopez for a couple of possessions to save him, you know, from Giannis? Yeah, I think in this series, you want his defense more than anything on offense. Like, I think it's yeah. him defense and him getting, like, random pick and pop threes. I'm good with that. Like, the less him driving into the lane... And doing like those like flick wrist like contested the little hooks like they're good sometimes yeah, I don't I can live without them this this series like 
can go back yeah. to that in the, the Sixers. I mean, yeah, unless it's right, unless it's right there, I don't think I don't think hunting it is is necessarily the best thing to do at all. Yeah, huh? I, and I guess that that just sort of comes back to it that I really I, I don't know I, I really that's probably about the worst thirty point ass beating that I'm I don't really feel that bad about you know, you know like and I I think I, this is I, this is a good time to talk about like. It's going to be great when, because we might not podcast until Marcus Smart comes back because he's a gladiator that is built on like consuming blood of his enemies. So he might be, be back the next game. Who knows? But like Marcus Smart would offer an alternative to be like, hey, calm down. Let's actually run an offense that's built on passing the ball to each other. Yeah. I love I love that every time they do a media day, fucking Brad is like, Marcus is seven months away. Um, where he's actually his leg has fallen off. He was in the ICU. Need, yes, we need we need Why to like sew it back on. And meanwhile, Smart is like doing like three um, somersaults off the top of the cage and body slamming. He's fucking like, hand trainer. Aaron shoulder. Yeah, he's, Smart is like literally doing full contact football like in the background. Just like uh, total like uh, combat, he's doing the training that um, Emily Blunt is doing in *Live Die Repeat* or *Edge of Tomorrow*, whatever you want to call that movie, with like the robots like arms yeah. like attacking him. So, then <laughs> you'll learn how to. I really think the Celtics need Smart in this series. To me, this series is just all about execution on both ends, and Smart just facilitates that pretty much better than anyone maybe alongside Horford um so if, if smart if smart comes back do you just give him all of Terry's minutes then <laughs> yes don't okay don't feel bad about uh hurting my feelings <laughs> Terry's been fine um but uh I mean yes. I, I don't know it doesn't look like smart's coming back until very late in the series if, if he comes I mean back. like he can take Jason Tatum's minutes if he's like I love Tatum but like if he's not gonna make shots and he's gonna take bad shots then like I'll I'll sub you for smart and we'll go was I was I missing something in game one like was Tatum bad in game one because I really don't remember him being like awful I think he was like I two for seven there yeah. he was good on defense um so yeah yeah, I don't think he. Yeah. I don't think he had a really negative impact offensively. Um, yeah, he was solid, but just quiet. All right. Um. So the series is headed back to Boston. Um. How are we feeling? So we definitely need that song to be played more. I love that song. It's so good. Everybody definitely doesn't make me want to kill myself. For sure. I love it. And I poop my pants today. <laughs> so good. So good. So good. So good. Boston classics. Everybody knows them. Put the riffs man in charge of the music. All Prince from here on out. We're stealing it from Minnesota. Zoom <laughs> Prince's corpse. Put it in the rafters of the... Of the, the TD we'll give it back when they make the playoffs again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a trade-off. Yeah. It's a lease yeah. system. Market marketplace of ideas. If you're not using Prince's funkiness in the playoffs, we're we're going to. Sorry. Oh, seize the means. Seize the means of 
<laughs> Prince. Funk. <laughs> funk. <laughs> Community supported <laughs> funk culture. Hey there. Oh, my God. These Boston guys, they came along and they uh, actually zoomed uh, the corpse of uh, Prince yet again. Oh, boy. Sounds like uh, the exact same voice I was doing at the top of the show, actually. But you can tell we're Minnesotans and not people from Wisconsin because we don't sexually assault our pets. <laughs> no, they, they say the Twin Cities, but uh, we're not that uh, close. It's not a, just a bridge that separates us. It's a whole culture of uh, not assaulting pets. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Madison, Wisconsin, you know, they call it uh, mad cow disease after Madison, Wisconsin, because the first cow that was uh, sexually assaulted in the state of Wisconsin was actually named Madison. And that's uh, she contracted AIDS. And that's how they call it. Mad cow disease. It's actually cow AIDS. Oh, I'm hearing that's actually not true. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's uh, no, uh, no, I think I think I heard that uh, same story there. Yeah. It was, uh, it was definitely cool. the, the Madison's Law is what we used to do in school here. <laughs> Madison's Law. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, is that that's the kidnapping one, right? I think it's Megan's Law. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, Damn, we got I was thinking too. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that was dark. All right, Matt, sorry, we ruined the show again. Let me keep it going. Here we go. Yeah, real basketball talk. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I was going to start this off. Real basketball hours. Okay, yeah. We're talking real sports. <laughs> real sports. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Oh, gosh. Um. All right, do we... <laughs> Do you want to like jump around the NBA? Uh, is is Brian Windhorst right? Is there is are the refs being persecuted? Is, yeah. Is, well, is, if anyone in the NBA dealing with needs, oh sorry, oh sorry, no no you go you go you go you go. no no oh, my bad you go you go. I, I, I was just you thinking go. about talking about quickly the Celtics and how they haven't dealt with any um, adversity and that's why they're not good. Have we done any evidence otherwise? That's correct well, take, right? Yeah. I mean, we're going to... folded tonight. Yeah, Celtics, um, yeah, they they really fell apart um, on the road against literally the best team in the NBA this year. So uh, they're frauds. They're fraudulent. Yep. And uh, yep. that's, that's part of the problem. I do think, um, I do want to say something about, um, you know, the refs. Um, you know, I think it is... Uh, I, I love that the refs are uh, Brian, that they had Brian Windhorst run the uh, yeah he's doing a really t- tough time right now um his DMs are open um, <laughs> running that that gambit for all of the playoffs I mean I do on the one hand like yes like the bitching like NBA refereeing is like a very like hard time um, I think we have a very special amount of animosity for the refs just because of the way our, our team is constructed where they do cool shit and we don't have a team really predicated on grifting. Um, but the, I, I don't know, it, it is a little like insane, but I, I also kind of get it because everyone's sick of the Warriors shit. And I think that that's kind of the, the point where we're getting to now where the Warriors are you know, just sort of, 
everyone's like just sick of them and like their fan base at, at large. So I think it is weird when they when they do get the benefit of the cap of you know weird sustained calls like that. I mean, we're conflating them with the cops essentially. Like that's like we're saying yeah. like the Warriors are the, are the cops, and and mm-hmm. I mean and their fans and and they're they're playing into it and. I don't know. It's just kind of lame. That's... Well, we have a contrast of styles here. We have Sean Marks going directly into the referee's locker room, and we have uh, Daryl Morey uh, releasing a report from the year prior. Um, so we have a, a contrast of styles. And then, of course, you have Steve Kerr um, flopping at a, at a press conference. So um, the refs are under attack. And I personally – I think the players – the players are criminals, and I think criminals should be allowed to vote. And I also think that refs are also cops. So, forty yes, percent of the also, refs are unhappy. But also, Ted Cruz is against the refs. Ted Cruz is is on on record as being very anti Scott Foster. So you know, like like a, this, really this maybe like a this is like an enemy of my enemy situation. I think mm. I, I don't know if I want to actually say that, but. Well, that may—I mean, that, may, that, that he might just think Scott Foster is Beto. Yeah, uh, yo, yo soy Scott Foster. <laughs> uh, Scott Foster does not make my cast cramp, so uh, I don't know what Ted Cruz is saying. When Scott yeah. Foster stands on the on the ref on the uh, you know on the the table on the side, <laughs> Scott Foster <laughs> trying to, trying to catch LeBron's uh, dust. <laughs> Get that dust. <laughs> Scott Foster Scott Foster called Ted Cruz's wife ugly and, then, and, now, Ted, and now Ted tomorrow morning is going to campaign for him uh, yeah, you know Scott did a good job at the game last night actually power move Scott Foster can't actually do a kickflip so not bait also I was reminded of, of Sam's famous uh, to the tune of the B-52's Rock Lobster Scott Foster video today. I think it was John Duke who tweeted it out, so... Scott Foster? Scott Foster! Scott Foster! And also, I was, I was reminded of the, uh, of the the legendary Scott Foster Tony Brothers uh, Game 4 of the Celtic Sixers series last year, which was... One of the one of my, one of the most fun days of my life. I was definitely not mad at all that day. I was having a time in my life. It was great. All the Tony brothers were there. Yeah, as much as I the Tony brothers are on, on, on Tony brothers, it was not. Uh, uh, we all agree this was not a, a fault of Tony brothers' game, unlike many of the other games, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. We can't go, we can't go was, full wars on this one, right? It was, it was, it was like thirty points when, when, you know, the subs came in. I don't know. I, like, if you look at, if <laughs> we look at all the calls, that lead poisoned their fucking minds into a twenty-eight to two run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if I saw Tony Brothers out there, I wouldn't go to the rim because I knew I wouldn't be getting a call. Is that actually yeah. why the Celtics don't go to the rim? Can't prove me wrong. Sure. It's like the hamburger. We covered it. They just see the Tony Brothers just flying around. You're like, fuck, Tony Brothers. 
I mean, if we get the report, we'll do what the Rockets did. We'll get the report, and we'll see that Tony Brothers actually <laughs> missed 40, 45 foul calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the it's like the game against Houston where we had two refs, except there are twenty, and they're all Tony <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> Um, let's talk Hondo, uh, Zaire. I know you. I know you wanted to uh, pay your respects on, on this year' podcast. Absolutely. You know, I was sitting in a balcony listening to this show right now. Um, <laughs> yo, um, no, but but the cool thing about this guy, man, John Havlicek. Like it's been said all week, um, how people don't remember him, don't talk about him. He just kind of played in the wrong era. Uh, when it comes to being famous uh, uh, and be getting recognition, that 1970s NBA is like the stepchild years of NBA history. Uh, it's not remembered as fondly as the 80s or the 60s, uh, unfortunately. And it, there are various reasons for that. But, you know, I, I, I came to a realization like that Kobe is like the bridge between Michael and LeBron. Um but everybody remembers Kobe, of course, because there's TV and all this, all of this good stuff. And he played for the Lakers and all that good stuff. Um, Havlicek, like I said, he just played at the wrong time. If he played now, he might be MVP every year. Uh, <laughs> uh, people would love him. Um, but the cool thing about him is that he, he comes from a place. I'm an Ohio guy. I live here. Um, he comes from Ohio like me, um, from a small town called Martin's Ferry. And a lot of people don't know about Martin's Ferry. It's um, Luluto Groza, who I'm sure you guys probably don't know who I'm talking about. But once upon a time, he was considered the best kicker and offensive lineman in NFL history. Hall of Famer, uh, Cleveland Browns legend. Uh, he was from Martin's Ferry. Phil and Joe Negro, uh, two brothers. Phil Negro is a Hall of Famer. He's from, they're from Martin's Ferry. Uh, Johnny Lippon, um, he's a, he played for the Red Sox and the Tigers. Martin's Ferry. Um, Al Groza, Ludito Groza's brother, was an Olympian basketball player. He's from Martin Ferry. So from this like period of the 20s and 40s, they had an incredible amount of professional Olympic athletes um, from a town that only had about 10,000 people in it. You know, so it's kind of crazy how that worked out. John Havlicek is one of those guys and perhaps the most accomplished athlete to come out of there. You know, I was thinking about how. He went to three straight final, um, not final fours, NCAA finals uh, while he was at Ohio State, won a national championship. The craziness of how he played, man, everybody's talking about a few weeks ago, Dwayne Wade, Paul Pierce. And, I, and every time, and I love Paul Pierce so much, and I think he is like incredibly great. But when you're talking about the greatest Celtics of all time, and a lot of people throw a koozie up there too, but I don't know how Havlicek isn't number three. I don't, I don't know how he is at number three um, with just everything he brought. I mean, the first like six years of this guy's career, he averaged 14 points per game the first six years. And then he ended up his career averaging 20.8. That shows you the kind of work that he put in once he was able to uh, perform. And once his team like the Celtics were stacked, so they didn't need him once again to score 20 points a game. But like one of his best seasons, I think he was like 30 years old and he averaged like almost 29 a game, like nine uh, rebounds and like seven and a half assists. 
Um, just a phenomenal basketball player who, like I said, played at a time when the NBA wasn't as popular, wasn't as near and dear to our hearts. And also maybe had some of his best seasons when the Celtics were like on a decline from that 1960s era, you know, but he still led them to championships. You got eight championships. I mean, you, you had triple, multiple triple doubles in the NBA playoffs. If you, if you go through, like go to basketball reference and just look at his numbers in the playoffs and you go, wow, like he had like stretches where he'll score like 35 one game, 43 the next, 37. And it's like, oh my goodness. But once again, he was so silent. He didn't blow his own trumpet. Uh, so you didn't hear about him too much. And, and in a way, it was like Larry Bird was the same way in a sense. He was very quiet, you know, not trying to get all this press, not trying to get all the respect. But Larry Bird just played at the right right time and he had the right nemesis. You know, Magic Johnson brought attention to their rivalry. When you look at, like I said, the Havlicek uh, years, I mean, it was like, you know, you're going up against the Lakers and yeah, Jerry West was great, but no one really, no one cared at the time about the NBA like they do now and like they did before for whatever reason. And and like there are multiple reasons, but I just want to give respect to John Havlicek as a great Celtic. Um, and, and you can't say enough about what it took to play in those years. I'm sure, you know, a lot of guys that play in that era look back and go, man, if we play now, we could do this and we could do that. Um, and I think it's just important to, to just respect the older guys, man, because a lot of people just kind of, they say the game was, was different and they wouldn't be able to play today. And I, I just think if you're great and you're, you're talented and you have a drive, you can figure out how to do things. Last thing I'm going to say, I heard Bob Ryan talk about, you know, everybody's been talking about how Havlicek just played like 40 minutes a game often, right? The cool thing about that is that uh, Bob Ryan said that when he was younger, he didn't have a bike when he was a kid because they lived by, by um, I guess, a busy road and his parents were scared that he would get ran over by cars if he rode his bike. This dude ran everywhere as a kid. They said he ran everywhere. He never had a bike. So by the time he got to the NBA, running was nothing. It was no problem. And so people like that are just totally special. And when we do our shows and we have our analytics and our numbers and all of that, you can't put that in numbers. And, and that's the special thing that you see about a lot of these athletes. You can't put what they are and what they do in numbers. And some nights they just don't have it, but usually they find a way to put it back together. So once again, big respect to eight-time NBA champion, something that we might not be able to say about people in the future, <laughs> unless we're talking about Steph Curry maybe. But other than Al Horford. That, <laughs> I hope. Um, but <laughs> I was going to have to put in a lot of overtime to get eight years, eight championships, but – but yeah, just to, to be able to pull that off, and I don't care what era you play in, if you're the best, you're the best. And John Havlicek was definitely among the best in the NBA. And like I said, third best Celtic ever. I think he he deserves that. Now, now it's a different argument when you're talking about the most talented. You know what I'm saying? Like if there was a draft, I probably would put pick Paul Pierce over Havlicek. Maybe I would. Uh, but when you say just best Celtic ever, um, I don't know if it gets better than him. I, I, I even put him over Kuzi because, you know, Kuzi played. Um, Kuzi was great during the era that he played. But John Havlicek's numbers translate over every era. Don't. I'm pour, pouring out my Riesling for, uh, for Hondo. Uh, <laughs> also, he gives us all – he's like the workers. He's like the workers uh, basketball player because he peaked – 
like after he was 30, which gives my like myself hope that I still can reach my athletic peak. Keeps me going. Keeps me deadlift, deadlifting. Guys like Hondo. So yeah, shout out to the fucking king right there. He's like something I really never knew. Like kind of growing up, like I always knew like Bill Russell. I knew Larry Bird. I obviously knew Paul Pierce, but like. Like John Havlicek is the, you know, the, the career leader for the Celtics franchise in, you know, a ton of statistics. Like he, he's played 6,000 more minutes as a Celtic than any other person. You know, Bill Russell is second, you know, he has, he has a hundred more points or a hundred more games played than Robert Parrish, you know, who seemed like he played forever, obviously not all, all with the Celtics, but still. So it's, it's, it just, it just, you know, is a testament, like what Zaire was saying with the running, like it's, it's just a testament to his longevity. It's a testament to his drive. It's a testament to who he was as a player. And it, 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 it is a shame that sometimes, you know, he might've gone under, you know, in an era that was, was less popular or the NBA was less popular as a league. So respect, rest in peace. And, and another thing to throw out there, he's still 19th all time in, in scoring. And this is a guy that yeah. did not have, he didn't have the three-point shot to depend on. He's still 19th all time, so that says something, too. Ben Simmons is so jealous right now. Let me fix that. I said that wrong. He's 16th all-time NBA because I, I was looking at the all-time when they combined the NBA, ABA numbers or whatever. 16th all-time NBA scoring. And here's a, a silly stat. Uh, only eight people have scored more two-point field goals than John Havlicek. Only eight people in NBA history. Did he have more threes than Ben Simmons? Is the real question. He had the <laughs> he had the same amount. Of, he had the same amount of threes as Ben Simmons. So <laughs> zero. <laughs> so who who would you really rather have? Look, I, <laughs> yo, I really I do not get on Ben Simmons like everybody does. I think if you can't shoot the three, don't. Like for real. <laughs> I'm like I'm not. I think that that is great that he has the discipline to say, you know what? I don't care what y'all say. I'm just going to go in here for these two points because that's what I do. And so I think that's a good thing, but, you know, whatever. And I actually, I think it's cool, too, because it keeps people talking about him. So I think it's a, it's a catch to that, man. Um, we can make it three trying to get the straight shows. Ready for the preview for the next round. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it uh, three straight shows uh, in the arms of an angel. Uh, if we want to go down that route. Yeah. Of an angel. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, guys. All right. Well, uh, th- thanks so much, Zaire, for uh, for uh, giving us a bit of a perspective on uh, John Havlicek's uh, life and career. Um, I want to thank uh, the Wisconsin man, uh, Sam Sheehan, for. <laughs> For well, we're not with... done. We're doing we're doing an outro. <laughs> There's always an outro, but I'm... more more iconic than the Marlboro Man. Um, so okay, so we're gonna hear the Wisconsin Man again. Uh, uh, Lucky's Pipe, Jack Michael, Ahmed Eggdahl. We'll see you next time on the ATO Show. Sam, play us out. Okay, well, uh, another big win for the Milwaukee Bucks today. Um, you know, it was time to taste tears for those guys. They uh they thought they could just you know come into Milwaukee and uh, do whatever they wanted like they were uh, some sort of teachers union, but we stood up to them. We we said uh, Boston Celtics uh, in this third quarter, um you're not gonna score any points, and uh, you know teachers you aren't gonna get any uh, health insurance or uh, any uh, any extended benefits. 
Um, there's only a couple of things that we're known for here in Wisconsin. I want to play out here for some of them. First of all, we've got our Wisconsin Badgers, the heart and soul of our Milwaukee basketball operation. The the the, the Badgers with John Diebler, uh, probably the greatest <laughs> basketball player of all time. And, uh, you know, Mr. Diebler, uh, you know, really set the standard for, you know, what what a Wisconsin player, you know, could and should be. <laughs> so that's that's that, that's number one right there. That's that, that's the first thing you got to think of when you think about Milwaukee is our uh, our Wisconsin Badgers. But the second thing you got to think about when you're thinking don't, about don't, Sam, don't Brady. forget about the old Milwaukee's best. It's uh, it's a brew. You oh, can yeah, get it for know. under like a oh, under. You're cutting me under off a little bit, but of course I was gonna I was gonna mention the Milwaukee's best. I mean that's. The first thing, if you ever, um, you know, are feeling real down about your life, um, you know, and uh, maybe your kids hate you and they're always, uh, you know, playing the Fortnite and, uh, you know, you're going to go uh, visit your dad during his last hours of, of his life and, you know, your children won't, won't stop doing the floss dance. Um, they keep dressing up with the Thanos power gauntlet and doing all this other stuff. You know, really just things that don't make a lot of sense to you. Well, let me just tell you that that's when the Milwaukee's best is really great. I tell you, I do some of my best, some of my best OUIs I've gotten while drinking Milwaukee's best. So, you know, it, it's really kind of the the number one uh, uh, beverage to make sure. Uh, that, you know, when you are driving drunk, you can kind of get out of, you know, I really only have about four OUIs at this point, And I, I really think I should have more like eight. And that's probably thanks to the, the Milwaukee's best usually makes you sure can, you can I, pound I, those motherfuckers all day, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, hold on. What's the language there a little bit? You know, it's a family <laughs> program, uh, first and foremost. Sorry, and, I just you know, had, a, last... had a 14 or so Milwaukee's, you know? Right. And then, you know, the last and most important thing you got to understand about us as people from Wisconsin is we love to sexually assault our pets. Uh, each and every single one of them, um, our, our, our turtles um, are probably the easiest because they don't have a they can't run very fast and they're also in an enclosed area. Um, so, you know, that's that, that makes them very easy targets. Um, you know, and the thing with turtles too, you know, you, you can really take care of things quickly. So it doesn't even really need to be your turtle. I mean, it can be, you know, a friend's or something like that. I actually, John Diebler used to leave his turtle out. Uh, and we, we could pretty frequently, you know, <laughs> get so honestly, you know, honestly, I noticed, I noticed after I played uh, Mario and those dang turtles just kept killing me over and over mm -hmm. again i was like you know i'm gonna take a little bit of rage out on this turtle instead of my wife well you know that's uh, kind of the you know that's the first thing that was actually banned because uh you know it was uh, it was too deemed a too sexy a game um you know or early on because you know, I, I hate it when you when you jump on the turtles and then uh you know they they pop out of the turtle shell in their underwear uh, you know, in some of those Mario games, and uh, that's pretty risque, uh, you know, and, w w you know, I found out the hard way that it doesn't actually work like that in real life. I, uh, I jumped on John Diebler's turtle, and, um, you know, it didn't pop out of the shell. It actually got crushed itself uh, uh, pretty bad, and, you know, I did that right before Wisconsin's Final Four game, 
Um, boy, do I regret that because John was awful shaken up. He didn't have anybody to have sex with after his turtle died. <laughs> Sam, you have a truly <laughs> fucked up brain. Congratulations. <laughs> that was the best thing I've ever heard, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, all right. <laughs> Let's all, uh... <laughs> Can we get a go box for you, folks? Yo, show. <laughs> Can we get a go box for you? Every fucking possession should be a Giannis look, and I haven't checked the box score. I don't give a fuck. Get to the fucking paint and keep pounding them. Get to the fucking rim, please. Get to the fucking rim, please. Fuck.